production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream Public Media are made possible by PNC and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated. Good afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome to the City Club of Cleveland, where we are devoted to conversations of consequence that help democracy thrive. It's Friday, October 27th, and I'm Kristen Baird Adams, President of the City Club Board of Directors. On behalf of City Club CEO Dan Molthrop and our incredible staff and board, I'm honored to welcome you to the 2023 annual meeting of the City Club, and of course, the grand opening of our new home here at Playhouse Square. This is a generational moment. If you look back over the 111 years of our organization's history, you'll see a few moments where we welcome the community to new spaces for the powerful conversations that we convene. This includes our 1929 move to Short Vincent Street and decades later in 1983 to our previous home at 9th and Euclid. And today we celebrate, of course, the grand opening of this beautiful space. It's impossible to overstate just how important this moment is and just how hard so many have worked and so generously given of their time and their resource to get us here. We've come a long way in just a few blocks and a long way from our founding in 1912 based on the simple desire to strengthen our community by providing a forum for civil civic dialogue, a place to address the most pressing issues of our time, discuss solutions, and to be inspired by diverse thinking and big ideas. At the heart of what we do is the spoken word, one of humankind's earliest forms of art. The spoken word thrived before written languages and remains rooted in the oral traditions of many cultures today. Speeches often define moments in history, including George Washington's farewell address, Martin Luther King's speech on the, on, on the march, to the March on Washington, and Robert F. Kennedy's 1968 mindless menace of violence speech delivered at the City Club the day after Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, remarks that still resonate quite powerfully today. Even in an era of emojis, texting, and AI, the art and exercise of the spoken word remains critical. It is the speech, the word verbalized, that provokes thought, sparks debate, and wins arguments. Today, we are so grateful to have Playhouse Square President and CEO Craig Hassel join us in conversation with City Club CEO Dan Moltrup about the power of the spoken word and the intersection of free speech and the arts. Playhouse Square, the, world, the country's largest performing arts center outside of New York City, eclipsed only by Lincoln Center, is an entertainment presenter and producer, an economic engine, and a national leader in arts education. Prior to becoming president and CEO of Playhouse Square earlier this year, Hassel was a mainstay in the international theater community with decades of experience operating and curating major venues in Europe and Australia, 
including Opera Australia, the English National Ballet, and most recently serving as CEO of London's Royal Albert Music Hall. Moderating today's conversation is City Club CEO um, Dan Moltra. If you have a question for Mr. Hassel, you can text it to 330-541-5794. That's 330-541-5794. And the City Club staff will do their best to work it into the second half of the program. Members, friends, and guests of the City Club of Cleveland, please join me in welcoming Craig Hassel and Dan Moltra. Kristen, thank you so much. Um, and welcome everybody again, once again to our new home here at 1317 Euclid Avenue. I am Dan Malthrop. Craig, thank you for joining us today. I know you've been traveling a lot and it was hard to get back here for this event, but thank I you. I came back especially for you, Dan. I know you did, I that's why I'm thanking you. I arrived at 6.30 this morning, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, so you've been here, actually here in Cleveland for less than a year. Um, and I'm curious to know kind of what you found in these first months of, um, of taking over Playhouse Square? Sure, um, it's a great question. I suppose the first thing to say is, for me, it was a greenfield site. I have no preconceptions, no expectations, no knowledge of Cleveland at all. And it's interesting, looking around the room today, I've been here eight or nine months. There are so many familiar faces in this room today. You've made me feel so incredibly welcome. I mean, it's just been an absolute roller coaster, but a really, really great one for me. Um, I've, I'm very positively disposed to what Cleveland has to offer. I mean, you probably, you all know this, but Cleveland punches way above its weight in terms of the cultural offer. If you think of the Rock Hall, the orchestra, which had been to London several times when I was at the Royal Albert Hall, um, the art museum is, I mean, beyond compare. And Playhouse Square, I can say this, because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't create it. That was Pudchenko and Art Falco and other folk. Um, it's extraordinary. And in fact, uh, Tom Adler gave me a tour of the theatres as part of the procurement process to get me to, co to come over here. You were procured. I was procured. You were recu recruited. I was, I was procured. <laughs> and I have to say, it was Tom Adler's whistle-stop tour of these extraordinary venues that made me think, actually, this is not a stupid idea. Let me give, I'll give it a go. <laughs> well, because you, I, I've heard you talk about this before. At the beginning, when the, the recruiter called you, I'm sorry, the procurement officer called you, <laughs> um, you were like, Cleveland, what? No, absolutely not. Yeah, I, and I kind of joke, well, that's not a joke. I, was, I hadn't heard of Playhouse Square. I had a fairly strong idea that Cleveland was near San Diego on the West Coast. And beyond <laughs> that, I didn't really know anything else about it. So. Um, and so then, Describe a little bit then of uh, your impressions as Tom Adler walked you into whichever of the very impressive theater lobbies was first. Honestly, I was slightly overwhelmed by the, the capacity and the, 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 the scale and the, just the beauty of these extraordinary 1920s spaces, the lobbies and the theaters. I mean, they're both, I mean, I hope you've all seen them. Uh, if you haven't, please visit, they're, they're exquisite. Um, but secretly, I was really, really pleased. They all looked completely renovated because I came from a building in London which is beautiful, but nowhere near in the condition that Playhouse Square theatres are in. And for anyone who works in the heritage sector, renovating very old buildings is very, very challenging and very, very expensive. So thank you to all the donors of Playhouse Square who funded that renovation before I arrived. It was wonderful. Right. <laughs> The, it, but it is, it is sort of extraordinary to find in a, you know, a, a, a legacy, a, a sort of legacy industrial belt kind of city, 
um, these sort of assets all almost piled on top of each other in this in this three or four block area. It's unparalleled. I mean, I, I don't know anywhere in the world that has such a concentration of theatres of that of this scale and beauty. I can't think in London, in Sydney, in Paris. I, I just don't. They don't exist. I don't think Clevelands understand how extraordinary this neighbourhood is, which you're now part of. It's it's one in a million. It really is. When uh, when Kristen was delivering the introduction and she she referenced the uh, a, a sort of figure that we all know very well here, Playhouse Square, the largest you know performing arts complex in the nation, apart from Lincoln Center. Did I roll my eyes then? Yeah, you, yeah, you rolled I, your yeah, eyes. Yeah. You, whispered, you whispered to me, um, you know, e you, I think the line was eclipsed only by Lincoln Center, and you said eclipsed at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yes, watch, so what watch it, this space. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, 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 okay, watch this space for more. But like, seriously, what are your plans? Well, actually, I should, I should just say at the outset, I'm taking all this credit for things that started long before I was in the country. Mm -hmm. So, but since I arrived, all the marquees have been redesigned and reinstalled and they're beautiful. We opened a gallery just next door. We're looking at other spaces inside Playhouse Square that could become venues as well. So the venue count is going to grow. Of that, I'm certain. And there are other few, a few random ideas that I can't really talk about yet, but we, we do want to increase. Oh, come on. It's just us. <laughs> it won't. <laughs> this, is, this is not being recorded, is it? <laughs> Um, <laughs> the venue count, what is, I don't think people realize, even people who go to Playhouse Square all the time for the Broadway series and other things, I don't think they realize quite how many venues there are. So how many venues are there? Yeah, I didn't realize, that, even after I started, to be honest. Uh -huh. Yeah, there were the rehearsal spaces I saw, I thought, is this ours? I thought, yeah, we own this, it's fine. Uh, so when I began, we had 11 venues, and now the gallery next door makes it 12. Mm -hmm. I predict there'll be 14 before the end of the year, and I predict there'll be... Before the end of 2023? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I think so. And uh, maybe we'll throw another one in next year at some point. Sorry, uh, where are your colleagues at Playhouse Square they're, right they're, now? They're, like, I mean... They know, they, they know. know. There they are. They yes. Know. yes, can I get a thumbs up, Tom? No? Yeah, Cindy, Cindy who does our comms, is already saying, you've, you've said too much. <laughs> she's, she's already she's shutting like, me down. <laughs> yeah, enough. Yeah. Um, so say more about like the vision for Playhouse Square. Um, the, you've brought on all the, you, you, you've managed to harness a lot of the energy that was already, that, that was created before you arrived, as you've said. Mm. And there's, there's quite a lot happening. You've referenced a, a growth in, in venues. Um, but say more about kind of where, what you imagine this could be in five or 10 years. Sure. I should probably just give a bit of color to what Playhouse Square is right now, for those yes. who don't know the setup. So first of all, Playhouse Square is a not-for-profit with all these amazing venues, a lot of real estate that we own and more that we manage, which is an income stream for the charity, which is great. But one of the really, really important components is the suite of resident companies, which you are now one of. And the Cleveland Playhouse are here today. Um, great Lakes are here today. Any more, any more resident companies here? <laughs> um, Oh, it's great. We, so we have eight now, eight resident companies. Mm -hmm. And that, alongside our Broadway season, our education program, our concert season, makes for an incredibly prolific outpouring of, of stuff in a year, which would be... On top of which, there's also like all the opportunistic sort of things that happen. David totally. Sedaris, Tina Fey and Amy oh, Poehler, yeah, and all yeah. of the, the, the comedy that comes, the everything. Yeah, and what I was so pleasantly surprised about when I came is that the audiences are really enthusiastic and strong. You know, just on the Broadway season, we have the highest number of season ticket holders in the country, more than Lincoln Center. <laughs> I love that. <so. laughs> 
Actually, actually, Henry is a good friend of mine who runs Lincoln Center. I hope he doesn't hear this. <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's, just, it's, it's extraordinary to me coming here not, and not being from this part of the world, just how supportive of the arts Clevelanders and people around Cleveland are. The fact that we have 40-odd thousand season ticket holders and we have eight resident companies now, including City Club, that can sustain you know, really strong and long seasons of theatre, film, dance, ballet, all sorts of things. It's, it's remarkable. So to answer your question. Five to 10 years, yes. Yeah, five to 10 years, build on all of that. So we've got you in, that's good. So, and there might be a way to form partnerships with more organizations in Cleveland that don't need to be resident at Playhouse Square, but do great work. And that's something I want to explore in the next five years. Uh, one thing I did in London, which I was, I was banging the drum about, was public realm and activating and animating the public realm. And when I arrived in Cleveland, I, f I discovered, to my joy, that the mayor, Justin, is, is, is very much of the same thought. So is, so is the county, you know, Chris Renane. There's a real shared ambition to animate and activate the public spaces outside these extraordinary theatres. So that's something I, I want to put more focus on as well, and was doing in London also. Um, but another thing which, and this is, this, well, this is slightly controversial, when I came here, yeah, controversial. I, we yes. love it, a controversy at yeah, City Club. Yeah. Sustainability was never spoken of. It just doesn't seem to be on the agenda here. Now, I may be naive, I may be misled, but in London, it, every business plan, every conversation, every building project would have a sustainable quotient or a focus on how it to be more sustainable as, as a building, as a neighborhood, as a city. And I don't feel that we've... I feel we're a bit behind, and it's not that people aren't enthusiastic. We formed a committee at Playhouse Square of staff who wanted to be involved in sustainability, and we were oversubscribed. So I know the staff are really keen on this issue, but I just don't feel that if it's a Cleveland thing or it's a US thing, that we're as... So I will, it, it, I will say this. I think that um, if you'd been here the last 10 years or so, you would have seen a, a very large invisible push around sustainability much of it emanating from City Hall, actually, mm. under Mayor Bibb's uh, predecessor, Mayor Jackson, um, and also led by local philanthropy, Cleveland Foundation and Gun Foundation sure. as well. Um, but in America today and in Ohio today, uh, the S in ESG, right, um, equity, sustainability, and governance, is not, like, all of it is, is very difficult for people to uh, in the, today's political environment, it is difficult to have meaningful conversation about sure. it that actually advances policy. Yeah, I get I think that. I've said that appropriately. Yeah. Um, it's it's <laughs> but, hard. And, and it's and a I, really difficult thing to talk about right now yeah. because... It's party political. Right, yeah. It's, yeah. it's my observation as an outsider. Yeah. But I do think there's an, there's an ambition and an enthusiasm for it amongst mm -hmm. the people of Cleveland, just not as high on the agenda as I would have expected. Um, mm -hmm. But certainly, I mean, Cleveland State, our neighbours who are here today, Yes, Great. thank you, uh, sir. I know, a very, a very big on this issue, and one thing I'd love to see, my, my grand vision for Playhouse Square, is to join up with CSU and have a dedicated strategy across two really large campuses of downtown Cleveland for biodiversity and zero waste and a whole lot of initiatives which would be so good for the city. And what I like about Cleveland is you're so, you're so enthusiastic. You, 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 you support ideas, you are entrepreneurial, you duck and weave because you're not as big as... LA or New York, so the ability to be, to duck and weave through ideas is there. And I think this could be one where we could be an exemplar to the rest of the country in, in practices for sustainability. So that's exciting as well. Um, in terms of the built environment of Playhouse Square, 
do you foresee any changes to kind of the, the, the sidewalks we walk down, the streets we navigate? What would you like to see? <laughs> Are you allowed to talk about what you want to see? I don't, Cindy, can I? I <laughs> How, could well, you, in as much as you can share some of sure. your vision. Um, actually, so we had about, about three months ago, Tom Adler, who is well, a trustee here, um, suggested we, we, we host what's called a charrette, which is a posh word for a meeting. And we invited a lot of, well, it is, it is, because it sounds French. Well, it is French. Anyway, so we had, a, we had a meeting at Playhouse Square and invited all the great and the good from Cleveland, from real estate, property, neighboring institutions, and so on. And it was a really helpful day. And that was particularly to say, and Tom's idea was, look, forget, forget the money, forget, just forget planning, just what could we do with the neighborhood in the next five, 10 years? And what was really exciting was we came up with some very tangible things, two of which I'll tell you about, one of which I won't, um, <laughs> that will be really advance the, the public realm of Playhouse Square. And one of them is making Euclid Avenue more pedestrian friendly in some way. I'm not saying closing it, I'm just saying change the focus more towards pedestrians, a little less away from cars. How we do it, we don't know. But if we have that ambition, and again, this is where CSU is really important, and Public Square, um, and K&D, and you know, all these sort of local partners, if we have a shared ambition to make Euclid Avenue, which is basically the high street of Cleveland, if this is your main street, if that can be celebrated more as a pedestrian activation, animation, performance area, that'd be great. It is, um, speaking of CSU, I mean, this portion of Euclid Avenue that we look out on here from the forum um, is, you know, every minute of the day almost, there are students yeah, going yeah. back and forth from the sort of central part of the campus to the Middow building around the corner, the, which is where all, all of the arts uh, education happens. Mm. And, um, and then there's the film school upstairs next door at the Idea Center. And I mean, this is in many ways, I mean, like campuses need or function best when they're pedestrian friendly. Totally, and what's, what's handy about Cleveland is you, you already have three campuses ready to go. You have Public Square, Playhouse Square, and CSU. They naturally join up, and as I know there's a lot of interest from Downtown Cleveland Incorporated to focus on Euclid Avenue with lighting and activations. And wouldn't it be great if we had a really celebratory sort of boulevard that was pedestrian friendly? That would be a destination for tourism events. It focuses the city really well. I, I just can't see a downside in doing that. So, so that that's was, one of three. That's one of three. Second one is really easy, and if anyone's here from the city, we can do this this afternoon. I mean, we can do it literally after this. Okay. We can do it after lunch. I, we can I, go I have some time in my calendar. Great. Let's go. We just need a few barricades and maybe a small tractor. Um, <laughs> and it, <laughs> and, and this, Mayor Daly and of Mayor, Chicago. Yeah, that's yes. <laughs> and this is a really simple one. Often the best ideas are really simple. Ha close half of Huron Road East, one that's just, just there, literally outside this building. Close it from Euclid down to where there's a parking garage. That would double the size of the, of the US Bank Plaza. We would then reconfigure, we'd raise money, Tom Einhouse would help uh, design the whole thing, and uh, we'd have a really brilliant congregational space outside City Club. Perfect. I mean, it'd be like Speaker's Corner in London, it'd be so cool, so easy to do. And in fact, I took my inspiration from the woman who looked after the, the pedestrianization of Times Square in New York, Shelley. She had a lot of support, but no money. And uh, they, they just closed Times Square one Thursday evening. And she thought, oh, I can't swear on the radio, aren't we? Um, she, she swore and said, uh, we have to get on with this. So she went out and sent her team out to buy 100 or 200 sun, sun lounges, you know, the ones you see on the beach. And they closed Times Square and put the sun lounges out overnight. The next morning, people arrived and thought, what, 
what the hell? And sat, sat down, and suddenly it became a pedestrian space. So we could do a similar thing, and yeah. if that happens, we would, money notwithstanding, you know, activate, animate, and make that a destination for locals, visitors, all sorts. You know, our urban planning community and design community has um, has celebrated Parking Day. Are you familiar with Parking Day? No, I'm not. Um, where they we don't really have cars where I come no, from. No, no, where they no. create parks, mini parks, out of parking parking spots. Nice, yeah. So, so where a car might have, uh, it's Cleveland, so might have struggled to parallel park. Um, the, uh, <laughs> there, there would be, somebody would roll out some AstroTurf and a, and a, and a lounge chair, and then there's a Brilliant. mini park. And so I think this is the, the kind of experiment that our community, that certain parts of our community would certainly get behind. I think so. And I think there's, a, there's certainly a, a move here for more downtown residential. I think we are we either at 20,000 or we're heading towards it. That's really good. And the yeah. more people that live and work downtown, you see it across, I see it in Melbourne, in Australia, I see it in Paris. The, the more people that live and work in your downtown, the more alive your downtown is. And it, one begets the other. Then suddenly there are more bars, more restaurants. It's safer, cleaner, nicer. There are more trees. It, it all leads to that. And I think we're all happily, as I said, you know, Chris, Justin Bieber, all on the same page. We're all moving in the same direction. It's, it's really encouraging. And what was the third? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> oh, gee, he's good, isn't he? He's good. Um, let's, let's Tom pivot. Adler knows, but he won't say. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Tom, if you could just grab a mic in a second. Um, let's, let's pivot into the, the content. We've created Playhouse Square and the City Club itself. We are, we're platforms, essentially. Um, platforms for a particular kind of art form um, or form of culture, the spoken word. Um, talk a little bit about why that is so meaningful. I mean, when you were at Royal mm. Albert Hall, um, which is essentially a music venue, as most of us, or, or some, I mean, the, no, 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 not you at see, all. That's see, why, oh, see, see, that's the problem right there. there. We, right there. It's, it's guys okay, like me. Okay, let me, give, can I give you a 20 second history lesson on the Royal please. Albert Hall? Please. And this is, this is relevant God, to, this please. is relevant to spoken word in Cleveland. The Royal Albert Hall was created by Prince Albert, who died before it was built, and he wanted it to be a, a forum for people like us, you know, the great unwashed to go and learn, oh sorry, I don't, I, for yourself. I, sorry, I, I don't mean, I don't mean any offense in that. I'm just saying, you you're know, a man of the people is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, I, I don't have a title, you know, I'm, yeah. just, I'm just like you. Right. You know what I mean? I might sound oh, different. Oh, you're not yeah, landed yeah. gentry. I'm not landed gentry. Okay. I'm yes. actually Australian, so that's even worse. You know. Anyway, so he wanted a center of, for the democratization of the sharing of ideas, which isn't that noble? And that's, one, and that's why they built the Royal Albert Hall. And it was primarily for Salvation Army concerts and discussions and forums and debates. So spoken word was oh. right there at the start. Now, unfortunately, spoken word doesn't draw a lot of crowds, well, in the Except day. Except today. Except today, obviously. Right. That's you and me, though, Dan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and music does. So more and more orchestral events were programmed and so on and so on. And it kind of, and I'm speaking slightly out of school here, it kind of lost its way for what it was intended to be. So when I was at the Royal Albert Hall, I was championing spoken word, crazily, because I wanted to get back to a more balanced presentation of what the building was created for, what, what's in the Royal Charter of the Royal Albert Hall. And spoken word was something that I was very keen that we had more of at the Royal Albert Hall, and we did. And, and because we're not in 1871, and we were in 2020-odd, uh, we had pod live podcasts. One great, actually, it's a great one. It's it's called "The Rest Is Politics." I don't know if you know it. It's Rory Stewart and Alistair Campbell. It's the number one podcast in the UK. It's very political. He's left wing. He's right wing. It's wonderful. 
They did their first live podcast, The Royal Albert Hall, sold out in 20 minutes. It was huge. Another one, which is not so edifying, was called My Dad Wrote a Porno, which was... <laughs> you can, Say more about that, Craig. I don't... I, I, I really don't want to, Dan. <laughs> I, I did have to go on stage and introduce them, though, and I was so embarrassed. Anyway, it, you can look it up. Uh, it's very funny. It's British humour. And then we did a, another... After I told Dan this story. There was a, 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 there's an actor called Benedict Cumberbatch. You've probably heard of him. I'm sorry, he's, who? <laughs> he's a, he's a, the Cumberbitches. That's, his, that, that's what they call his... Yeah, yeah, you know them? Yeah. Benedict, yes. So Benedict Cumberbatch has a lot of friends who are very famous actors. So he started a thing called Letters Live, which I was so proud to host. It was him grabbing all his mates, like Olivia Colman and Stephen Fry and Jude Law and, and so on, to just come on stage and read a letter from a famous person. And they ranged from, well, Olivia Colman read a letter from Queen Mary to her, her son, and Jude Law read out an inscription in the North Pole, which basically says, if you can read this, we finished. Because it had, the North Pole had sort of not sunk, thawed uh -huh. so much. That was pretty bad. Um, and that, that also sold out instantly. So the spoken, spoken word is incredibly popular, and it's edifying, it's educational, it's entertaining. So when I came to Playhouse Square, um, I didn't really see that we had a lot of it. Although, as you say, the, the concert program at Playhouse Square is prolific with lots of comedians and, and authorities as well, but nothing like what City Club does. So that's why I think it's great. Although, I should ask yeah. you, why do, well, why do you think it it's is, great? You know, what it's, are you going to do, Dan? Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Craig. Just flip things around. Um, <laughs> thanks for you coming. Know, it, just to build on what you're saying, it strikes me that in this particular moment, um, the way, it, which is a moment in which it is easier than ever for anyone to share whatever their last thought was, um, that we can provide a platform for the considered thought Absolutely. in long form mm. is a unique value proposition. And it is uniquely edifying, to use your word, but also, I think, something that our communities and our nation desperately need right now. We have, you know, we're sort of plagued with uh, political leadership that loves to share their last fleeting thought as well on X or whichever platform they have access to. Um, and um, oh, just, I just realized what I said, sorry. <laughs> um, the, um, we're very bipartisan at City <laughs> Well, but, but it, it, or on Truth Social or wherever, but it's, um, but it's so often not really considered. Mm. And it is more about grabbing um, clicks and grabbing attention than it is about actually advancing the project of humankind, the project of democracy, the project of peace. Mm. And the project, I mean, the, the spoken word is why, it, was it like Winston Churchill who said politics is what we do so we don't kill each other? or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, the spoken word is the basis of diplomacy. And it is, the, it is mm. the basis of how we, we move things forward. And it is, in fact, I think, the alternative to war, right? Having the conversations about the differences that we experience so that we can better understand one another and build empathy. And we've lost the forums for that to happen. You know, back in the day, before I was born, you'd have debates on the radio, you know, on the ABC in Australia, you would have long-form editorials in the Times of London. Journalism now is sound bites because of mm -hmm. social media. So where, where is the forum for a considered discussion on a topic? And that's where 
it sounds like an advertorial footy club. But, but it, this, this, that's, just that is, <laughs> but that is why places like this are so important. And particularly, I would say, I would say, wouldn't I, in a place like Playhouse Square, where it rounds out the offer between Great Lakes, Cleveland Playhouse, the Film Festival, and what I hope we'll see, this is a leading question, a leading hope, is that City Club being physically in this neighbourhood means new things will happen, new shoots will grow, that there'll be discussions, debates, collaborations between, between the resident companies, that will, you know, we're, we're stronger together, and that's something I think will definitely happen because of you and this organisation. That's, that's really exciting. Yeah. End of advertorial. Well, I just want to say one other thing about that, that continues the advertorial for a second. The design <laughs> of the space itself, mm. too, that, um, you know, for, as, as we, we heard before, 111 years, this is our sixth home, and um, there's something about this space that is very different from every previous home that we've had. And our, our colleagues at DLR worked with us to design a space where, as we sit here, you know, people walking by and we can see them, and there, and there's in fact somebody looking in here wondering you, you can, what is it they're talking about. You can see the about. road that I want to close. Right. You, you can, can see, see the road. You can you see can the see. road that you want to close. And can I just say, uh, Dan, in, yeah. the, in the time we've been talking, two cars have driven down that road. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> there is more activity than that, Craig. But just close that road. But the point, the point of the space and the, the design, what, what we wanted, intended to communicate with the design is that this space, this conversation we're having, every conversation that happens on this stage is an extension of the public realm. It's not just mm. about things that are of cons public concern. It is literally the conversation itself is an extension of the public realm and that all are welcome. And this, this sense of transparency here is really key to that. Totally. Um, well, I loved also, while you were building this building, you were having discussions and chats across the road on the plaza. That's right. Because you didn't want to stop, so you took it to the people. Can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> <laughs> and they were really popular. It's great. So it was, it more was, of that. It more of, that. More of the, the public dialogue in the public realm is definitely a direction we're going we're gonna to continue to push. We're going to get to questions uh, from our, our friends in the audience in just a second. Um, but, Craig, I'm... Curious about if you have on your on your sort of wish list of things like like the the, the someday ideas, if you've got one or two that you could share with the with the audience here. Dan, I've already said too much. I think. No, I, but more like well, like like wouldn't it be great to do letters live on the stage of the at the Ohio Theater or something like that? Okay, sorry, the Mimi Ohio Theater. Okay, here's one. So I and I've already talked to Greg at the Rock Hall and and Andre at, at the Orchestra. I would love us to see more collaborations between these big institutions in Cleveland for Clevelanders. And, and by that I mean enticing the orchestra to come to Playhouse Square and perform at the KeyBank State would be wonderful. Which probably means getting a new sound system and mean it's a whole lot of things. But that'd be terrific. That kind of dream. And, and Greg at the Rock Hall. You know, the Rock Hall, it's extraordinary. Cleveland has the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know, it was a, it was a competition. And I think we're up, we, I say we now, we. Yes, we're, we Yeah, we. You we, are, yeah, we're we up against, I think, New York, Vegas, I don't know who else. Cleveland won it. And it's a great institution. So we've just you know, redesigned our marquees, which are beautiful. You haven't seen them, they're marvelous. And so I said, said to Greg, OK, how about every time there's an induction, we do a takeover and say, well done, Kiki D. Oh, that's a terrible example. Uh, Elton John, I don't know. Uh, and that's so just, again, joining up with the institution so that Cleveland is stronger together. And my biggest aspiration, which I think I said to Amy Brady when I was going for this job as part of the procurement process, uh, I said, wouldn't it be great if Cleveland became a destination the way Nashville is and New Orleans is 
and Detroit is you just, you don't go to Nashville because so-and-so's playing. You go to Nashville because it's Nashville and there's always something to see. Now, we're almost there. We just need to be joined up and raise the number of activities a little bit more and then we're there. The Wiz was a good example of that. Yeah, great, yeah. Um, bringing the Wiz, which was felt like Broadway, but hasn't been to Broadway. Mm. I mean, that was an example of the sort of thing you're talking about. Totally. And in, just on that topic, I've been in LA at a conference of the Independent Presenters Network, and we had a long discussion about the Broadway ecosystem and the touring system. And I didn't realize until I came to Cleveland how important the touring Broadway circuit is to the ecosystem of Broadway shows. To the economics. To the economics. Shows. Well, economics, profile, um, job opportunities, job creation for performers and crew, but also how important Cleveland is to the touring model. Now, we're, we are arguably the most important touring stop on the tour around the country because of the number of season ticket holders that we have. So that, that's pretty extraordinary. But what's happening now with Broadway, the, the costs of capitalization are prohibitively expensive and many shows are closing because they just can't keep running and can't capitalize. Now, that doesn't mean the tour world is, is going to suffer, but actually it means the touring world becomes more and more important in the scheme of things. So we're, we, Cleveland, are incredibly well placed to benefit from that slight change of, of the power base. And as I understand it, economically, it's actually, there's greater return on the tour than there is on Broadway. Yeah, I mean, the way I kind of describe it, it's a bit like the Broadway season is the Paris fashion show where they show off the wares, but it's not really commercial. The tour is like those versions of those clothes appearing in a high street store. You know, we're more retail, we have higher numbers, and we're, we're all across the country. Right. My question is, surrounding diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility, what are your plans for Playhouse Square in the future? Thank sure. you. Thanks, and great question. Um, diversity and inclusion is something that I was championing in London, and my, my aspiration when I was running the Royal Albert Hall was I wanted the people that worked there and performed there and attended there to look like the people outside in London. That sounds really easy, and it was very difficult, and we didn't, we didn't get there. We got close, we ended up with the people that lived, uh, attended, worked, performed, looking like the people of the UK, but that wasn't enough. And now similarly, a bit like sustainability, when I arrived at Playhouse Square, we set up a, a, a staff committee for DE&I. And again, we were oversubscribed. There were more staff that wanted to be involved in that discussion than we had placed at the table for, which was very encouraging. It's something we all have to work at and you can't be complacent. I think with these things, well, the, I think the two, the two keys for a place like Playhouse Square is programming and recruitment. And, and by recruitment, I don't mean having a line in your ad that says we are an equal opportunity, blah, blah, blah. That's pointless. It's actually making a place like Playhouse Square feel welcome to people of all religions, races, colors, levels of access, everything. Um, there are nine characteristics. We have to look to each of those nine and make sure we're doing something, actually doing something positive and supportive so that people feel welcome to work at Playhouse Square. Um, and then programming, similarly, we found in London, and this, this happens at Playhouse Square as well, what you put on the stage, so obviously, this is not rocket science, will then dictate who sits in the audience. It's really straightforward. So I'd say they're the two 
key ways to start, but we've got a long way to go. It's a, it's a long journey and it takes a lot of work and you can't take your eye off the ball. But thanks for the good question. Craig, you talked about how creating a more residential downtown will make it safer, cleaner, and nicer in general. So my question is, one, um, what are your thoughts around creating residential spaces that regular people can afford to live in? And two, um, what will you do to ensure that people who are keeping downtown safe are able to do those jobs free of harassment, intimidation, and retaliation from their employers, one of which is um, Pal American Security, who currently provides um, services at Playhouse Square? Yep, Thank sure. you. Okay, Thank I'll, you. I'll deal with Pal American first. That's, that's a more specific question. Um, we work with a whole range of organizations. Um, we have great links with the unions that we deal with every day. We have equity tours and non-equity tours and, and all sorts. Uh, musicians are unionized in this country as they are in the UK and we have a great relationship. So that's, that's terrific. Um, Pound American is a contractor that we use to provide security services and um, the SEIU brought to our attention that there was a concern that they were not playing ball and we didn't know so we checked it out and they reassured us that they were. So that particular issue, I think, is between SEIU and Pal American. Um, all I really want to say is that we value our security teams immensely. Um, and one thing, and this is a small thing, but it's a really important thing we've done since I came, is whether the security guards that work in the Playhouse Square neighborhood are direct employees of us or employees of a contractor, we want to make sure they're properly paid, proper benefits, all those things, but also, we have ne they're now kitted out in blazers that say Playhouse Square. That sounds like a little tiny pointless thing, but it's not at all. It's much more that the security staff should be more like concierges, not, not sort of strong-arm tactic security guards. I think we should be working towards creating a neighborhood where people, people, people are safe and feel safe, but also feel communal and having a, a, a nice experience of it. And, and to your point, the residential is a really important part of that. And, and I, I like what you say. I think residential doesn't just, just mean you know, high-end. It should be high-end, medium, affordable, because all these spaces have workers that need different levels of accommodation. So we have to provide all levels of accommodation for a properly integrated, vibrant downtown city. So, and I think we're going in the right direction doing it. So I've been pleased with what I've seen. It's happened before me and, and going on now as well. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very much. Next question. Thank you. Uh, my name is Marco Ficaris. I have been a red coat for 30 years. Oh, well done. And as I look around the room, I see so many people who look so good in red coats for about three hours per one well, day, any day your choice except Monday. So my, I don't have a question per se, but uh, can you do a little plug since we got yeah, everybody? Absolutely. Always, talk always. About, talk, about, talk about the importance of volunteers yeah. and volunteer so engagement. In my life, I've worked on the Sydney Olympics and the London Olympics. And in Sydney, we had 55,000 volunteers. And when I say we couldn't have done the games without them, that's not a platitude, that's absolutely true. There's no way we could have staged the Sydney Olympics without 55,000 volunteers who were drivers, Helpers, runners, all, like all, I mean, all manner of jobs. London, similarly, had about 48,000 volunteers. Um, when I came to Playhouse Square, I was very pleasantly surprised to discover we have a pool of about 2,300 volunteers who are redcoats. Whenever you come to the theater, the guys in the redcoats are doing it for nothing. They, and they are so enthusiastic, and, and I'm so grateful to the work that these guys do, not just because it's free, but because their attitude is so positive and so supporting the values of Playhouse Square. 
And going back to the diversity issue, making people feel welcome is, that's, that's, that's the first step of anything. And the red coats make you feel so welcome when you go to Playhouse Square. So they're great. So yeah, Mark, Mark, great and well done. Hello, and so glad you're here in Cleveland. Um, I've long admired the Greyhound bus station. <laughs> and I believe I read an article that you were quoted in oh. saying that you had your eye on that. And I was just wondering if you could elaborate on what is, might happen with that. Is this the third thing you weren't supposed yeah, to Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Honestly, you people. I heard you, I heard you, I heard you live on the radio talk oh, about it. Oh, God. Okay, firstly, I want to apologize again to Cindy Szymanski, who's the head of comms. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have said on, well, I'm not the first person to say this, by the way. Tom right. Adler has also, Art has said this. Right, it, sure. Whether it's a thing or not, that building, it's, I mean, it's beautiful for a start. I mean, I love the whole deco era. Yeah. I was just in a, in a theater in LA, which is quintessential deco to the core, beautiful. Um, but it, it's not for us to say what happens to that building. I mean, it, it's great. It's right at the north side of our campus. It's wonderful. And I have said, and that's not, I'm not making it up, I, I would love us to be able to use that, but only if it suits Greyhound's purposes because it provides an important resource now to people traveling around the country. So it's not for us to change the use of that building. If that building changed in its use and we were able to make it a space for Playhouse Square for more access for audiences, well, of course, it's, it's a non-starter. Non, non I mean, it's, it, it's obvious. Um, and, and what would you do with it? I'd rather not say. <laughs> Just hypothetically. I won't say that. All I'll say is we'd make it. It'll be. It won't be my office. I mean, it'll be public. It'll be. For the, it'll be for the for the people of Cleveland. Put it that way. But but very importantly, just strategically, Playhouse Square. It's funny because in London, no one drives cars. You know, you guys all drive everywhere. And so you drive to Playhouse Square and you park at the back, let's face it. You park at the back and you the walk. The north side. Well, I call the north it, entrance. I, we now call it the north side. But it's, it feels like the back. You know what I mean? <laughs> I would have normally gotten the bus and got off on Euclid Avenue and saw the amazing marquees, the lovely streets, and then walked into the lovely theaters. But most of you, like 60% of you, drive to the parking garage and come in that way. So I kind of, I give in. That's the north entrance. We're going to make it fantastic and beautiful and active and animated. And if we were able to, at some stage, be able to use a building like that Greyhound Terminal, which is right there, wouldn't that be great? There we are. I've said too much. Yeah. As Cleveland and Ohio invest in various innovation economies, Playhouse Square stands out as one of the largest economic drivers in the city. Given its prominence, how do you envision Playhouse Square's role in advancing the economic development goals of the region? No small oh, question. That is, such a, <laughs> that is such a good question. I know. How you long have time? Yeah, You've of got course. 15 minutes. Go. Okay. First of all, that's a killer question, and I love it. It's almost like one of my team planted that, but I'm, I don't, I'm sure they didn't. Um, so the first thing to say, I have to acknowledge Pudge Henkel and friends who saved these theaters way back. So. If we didn't have those exquisite heritage theatres, we wouldn't be able to do what we do today. But I want to also acknowledge Art Falco, who expanded these beyond reason. <laughs> Art, well done. <laughs> and the work Art did over many decades to expand and solidify and reinforce the, the operational and financial strength of Playhouse Square is only beneficial to Cleveland, 
to the resident companies, to audiences, and to economic growth. So the latest thing we've, we're doing now is we've, we've, we're very lucky to be awarded tax credits by the state of Ohio for the production of Broadway shows. What that means is that now we can entice producers to commission and develop and create new Broadway shows right here at Playhouse Square, which is great. And the second thing is we can now open national tours like The Wiz in Cleveland, which each opening is another four weeks' work for Ohioans. So in terms of the economic driver, Playhouse Square is already very strong, but it'll be even stronger when we can have more activity which leads to entry-level job creation. And the jobs I'm talking about are not, these are not composers and directors and choreographers. These are runners, drivers, security guards, maintenance crew, dressers, and all of whom are so important to getting a show on stage. Many of which are union jobs, too. Many of which are union jobs, yeah. And so we want more and more of those jobs in Ohio. And so the tax credits, on top of the extraordinary base of resource that is Playhouse Square, it's a killer combo, so it's really, really great. And just to explain a little bit more, the tax credit situation is very similar to the film production tax credits that Ohioans are already familiar with. That's right, yeah. There was a little wrinkle previously in that there was one pot of money for film and theater. Film would swoop in, literally, Spider-Man, would swoop in <laughs> and use all the tax credits. Then the credits go to, not to us, but to the person making the film or the show, just to be clear. And there was no money left for theater. So now there's a little pot, it's only small, but it's great because it's dedicated for theater, which means that producers on Broadway can create shows here in Cleveland and zip back and forward. It's not far to New York, as you know. It's but this great. is a, a statewide program, so theoretically, Cleveland is competing with Columbus, Cincinnati, et cetera, but the theater, the theater here is so much bigger. The theater I mean, here is much bigger, and we're not really competing because those other centers who are very on board with this initiative are doing smaller scale shows. So there are maybe like off-Broadway shows may start in Columbus, for example, then go to, to Broadway or off-Broadway. So it's great, it's great for Cleveland, but it's great for Ohio, and it's particularly great for this whole job creation ambition, which is it's wonderful. Excellent. Yeah. Can you talk more about the education outreach of Playhouse Square, and particularly the work with CMSD and the Disney Broadway series? Sure. Uh, another great question. So uh, again, when I came to Cleveland, and I've always been a great champion of education programs, because I think if you want to build audiences, you have to find a way to let people into your theatres, involve young people in some way. If you don't, the world that I work in will just pass them by, and they won't even know they're missing out on playing in an orchestra or watching a play or doing a dance class. And it's in, contingent on us working in this business to make opportunities for young people to experience or engage in the performing arts. That's fundamental. What was great coming here was that's already happening in spades. And the work that Daniel Hahn and his team are doing at Playhouse Square, it's, it's extraordinary. And with the tax credit thing now, we can also now start commissioning education works, which we will create here in Cleveland, that can tour around the state, around the country, around the world. There's no reason we can't do that. And there are a couple in, in development at the moment. So it's, it's great. And, and back to the diversity point, you know, a lot of people will come to see our shows at Playhouse Square. And if you look at the demographics of the people that come, it's not representative of the, of the people of Ohio. It's, it's not. That's, we, we acknowledge that, and we need to change that. Education is one of the best ways to change it, because again, if a young person feels welcome in a theater, they may come back 20 years later with their family and see a show. Talk about the Dazzle Awards in, that, in oh, relation to that. Oh, gosh. Yeah, well, fir okay, first thing to say is my ears were bleeding at the Dazzle Awards. 
if you haven't been, take earplugs. This is an incredible program where high schools around the neighborhood, off their own bat, put on a musical. And when I say a high school musical, you know, where I come from, that's a pretty ropey amateur kind of thing. Not here. I mean, <laughs> the shows that I saw, the production quality, the orchestral strength, the performances, the direction, the, the support the schools put into these performances is, I mean, I was, I was blown away. And then we hold the sort of finale, like the Academy Awards, if you like, of Dazzle here at Playhouse Square. And then there's a lot of screaming um, because they're so, they're so enthusiastic. There's a red carpet and, and, and everyone's dressed up to the nines. It's all very terribly glamorous and so on and so on. But again, back to the education point, whether it's a young person performing on stage or being a part of the crew or playing in the pit or even helping to build the sets and costumes, all those young people are getting the experience of the creative industries. And that's immensely helpful. The, the Broadway series has been going for how many years, do you know? I don't know, many decades, years. Decades, decades and decades. But yeah. 40, 40 years? Yeah, yeah. And I've heard Broadway performers, well-known Broadway performers who grew up in Cleveland, come back and talk about having seen their first Broadway show at the State Theater or, the, mm. or you know, at Playhouse Square, and that set the course for their lives. Oh, totally. Well, also, Cleveland has, again, punching above its weight, tertiary institutions that have specialty faculties for the creative industries, whether it's performing or, or building sets of costumes, lighting design, and they come back to Cleveland when they've made it you know, in New York. It's, it's great. Yeah. Good afternoon, I'm Stephanie Jansky. There's been an increase in attacks on artistic expression across the country. We're seeing book bans, protests on drag performances, protests outside of performances by transgendered individuals. Knowing that this is the environment that we're living in, how is that affecting your programming decisions? Is this making Playhouse Square more or less cautious about what they put on stage? Sure, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, this, there's a, a slightly worrying trend nationally towards a more conservative approach to the creative industries generally, whether it's visual arts, performing arts, and so on and so on. I think artists, artists and producers need to be vigilant. The art should speak for itself. Um, Dan and I were preparing for today the other week and we're talking about a festival that I was on the board of in London. It was the London International Festival of Theatre and its, its whole mantra was bringing plays to London that would never see light of day otherwise. They weren't great big musicals, they were often very small, poignant, political, provocative pieces. And they did really well. Audiences had a real hunger for hearing people's stories from other countries. Um, I'll just give one example, quick, if we've got time. Uh, it's a, a play, I told Dan this story. It was a one-person show at a small theatre in Notting Hill. And Juliet Stevenson, who's a well-known British actress, you've probably seen her in things, truly, madly, deeply, other things, she stood up and had the script and said, hello, my name is, read the playwright's name, if the person reading this out is not me, it means I'm still in prison in Syria, and I have managed to get this text out on the black market to the festival who've asked the actor who's reading these lines now to say it. And I want to tell you about my situation in Syria. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in a prison and blah, blah, blah. And that was uh, 40 minutes of, of monologue, you could hear a pin drop. And, and I was saying to Dan, that kind of play, that kind of artistic expression, that was more powerful to me than reading an ed editorial about the political situation in, in Syria. You know, hearing 
artists talking about this situation, it's incredibly compelling. It's educational, it's moving, it's, it's important. So we, those of us here, Cleveland Playhouse, Great Lakes and everyone else, we've, we have a role to make sure the arts remains free and expresses the views of the people of this country and of this world. So I, I'm very passionate about that. We got one final question. All right, we have one final text question. Now that the City Club has joined us in Playhouse Square, we have become an impressive city block within, with United Way, GCP, IdeaStream, even CSU. We are driving a lot of change in Northeast Ohio. Have you considered renaming or rebranding this part of Euclid to highlight and celebrate the entrepreneurial spirit, elevation of community voice, breakdown of systematic barriers, and provision of equitable access to all through these different organizations? Not a you know big question at all. Wow. I forget the you were, Center for Health Affairs as well. Yes. I thought you were going to say, have I considered rebranding Cleveland? I thought, oh, no, I think, I think that's, that's a good name. I like that name. Um, let me think, Malthrop Plaza. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, uh, not, not really, but kind of. I think one thing that, I, and I'm still my ideas, I, I just plagiarized in somewhere else, by the way, just to be full disclosure. In the West End in London, They've nicknamed the West End Theatreland. It's a really simple thing, and it's really helped tourists understand where the theatres are. So the street signs are a different colour, different font, and say Theatreland, and above it says Shaftesbury Avenue or The Strand or whatever. That's a really simple thing, and it's something I want to talk to the city about doing for this neighbourhood. And Art, very cleverly, some years ago, branded the, the perimeters of the, of the campus with the archways, you know, the Playhouse Square archways, and then, of course, the chandelier is, you know, a dead centre. Uh, I think we can build on that and somehow, with wayfinding in the city, make Playhouse Square more of a destination visually with just, just street, streetscapes and things. So kind of is the answer, but I haven't got it quite yet. Craig Hassel, CEO and President of Playhouse Square. Great. Great. No, not yet. Oh. Not yet. <laughs> He's very... Craig's very eager so, to close out the forum. So it would be a big moment for him. Um, before we do so, though, I want to thank Ulmer and Byrne and PNC for their support of our forum today. And we'd also like to welcome guests at tables hosted by Birthing Beautiful Communities, Cushman and Wakefield and Cresco Real Estate, Falls and Company, Friends of Mark Ross and Mark Ross himself, Huntington, <laughs> Playhouse, <laughs> Playhouse the, Square. Just the Friends of Mark Ross. Just the Friends yeah, of Mark Ross, not Mark Ross. Yeah. Um, PNC, Standout Consulting, the Divine Nine, which is the Intercollegiate Black Greek Organization, Thompson Hine, Turner Construction, and the United Way of Greater Cleveland. We're so happy to have all of you with us today. Thank you. Great. Um, I want to remind everybody that we, uh, following this forum, we have a community, a, a community open house until 4 o'clock. So if you're listening on the radio or watching the live stream, come on down and we'll give you a tour of the new space, your new home for civic dialogue. Um, party starts now. Drop in any time before 4 o'clock. Um, and we've got a number of really great forums coming up at the City Club, starting with the State of Downtown next Thursday, which we'll discuss. Uh, it'll overlap a little bit with today, but it'll be pretty different. And then uh, Friday, November 3rd, we have our annual State of the Great Lakes. WKYC's Betsy Kling will be in conversation with Dr. Richard Spinrad. He's the administrator of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Thursday, November 9th, we'll hear from Dr. Warren Morgan. He's the new CEO of the Cleveland Metropolitan School District, and that's our state of the schools that will be at the Huntington Convention Center. You can find out more about all of these at cityclub.org. We are now almost at the end of the forum. If you're here with us in person, please join us. Um, 
in the Commons for a champagne toast. If, uh, but before that, if you are now or have ever served on the board of the City Club or the Forum Foundation, we'd love to have you join us on the stage for a quick picture right now. Um, and so that brings us to the end. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen and friends of the City Club, members and friends of the City Club. Um, I'm Dan Malthrop. This forum is now adjourned. Now. Oh. Whoa! For information on upcoming speakers or for podcasts of the City Club, go to cityclub.org. Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream Public Media are made possible by PNC and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated.